Welcome to episode 58. I'm Luke Winstall. This is The Luke Winstall Show. Today I talked with the former University of Georgia wide receiver Justin Scott Wesley. Justin's best known by Georgia fans for his 2013 season, where he had a game-sealing 85-yard touchdown reception against South Carolina and a game-winning 25-yard touchdown catch against LSU. After that 2013 season, Justin struggled with injuries and eventually was forced to medically retire from football. Once he retired from football, Justin got into music and now owns his own company called Wesley Solutions. On the show today, we talked about his journey to playing at Georgia, his time and career playing for the Bulldogs, and what he's up to now. We'll go ahead and dive into the interview. Justin, thank you for joining me on the show today. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on, man. It's on. You're welcome. I'm excited to hear from you and hear a bit of your story. So my first question, where'd you come from? What was your life like growing up? Uh, I am from Camilla, Georgia. Um, it's a small town, um, southwest Georgia. I was a little bit below Albany. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know where it is. Um, we have a, a rich tradition for uh, basketball down there. Uh, Mitchell Baker High School, but uh, I mean, if you're from South Georgia, you know, I pretty much grew up, you know, in, in poverty, you know, we we had everything that we needed to survive, but I mean, you know, it's Southwest Georgia, you know, so it is what it is. Um, so yeah, I grew up playing sport. Uh, basketball was my thing just because, you know, of the uh, environment, the conditions, so I always wanted to be a hooper. Um, but uh, kind of found my way into football and track, and you know, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> How'd you get into playing football? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just kind of gravitated to it. A lot of my friends, um, you know, I mean, in South Georgia, where I'm from, man, you know, there's not really much to do. So sports is always the thing. And when it's football season, you know, it's football season. So I I, I started really taking it seriously in, uh, so like, eighth grade. I played, like, middle linebacker, middle school. Uh, I always played Pop Warner, you know, Little League, but I kind of really just started taking it seriously in eighth grade. What was the recruiting process like for you when you were a player coming from South Georgia? How did UGA find you, and when did they get on you? process I really think I really you know attribute a lot of my football recruitment to track um I remember I, I ran track my sophomore year that's my first year running and I made it to state and I wound up winning uh in the 200 in state and I just remember this guy following me around I'm like who is this dude following me and uh he gave a a business card or something to um a coach that was near me, I think it was like Washington County or something like that. I'm reminiscing here. Uh, but anyway, this guy walked up to me and he was like, Hey son, um, I don't know if you know who this guy is that's been following you. Um, but this is Mike Bobo. He's, uh, the offensive coordinator for university of Georgia. He wanted me to give you this. So I'm like, Oh man, this is crazy. So then that next, that next, uh, Monday, Kirby Smart was in my was at my school, 
And that's kind of when my recruitment started like that. And, and ever since then, man, it was like Rivals.com was coming. And I was going to these camps and things like this. And, and you know, that's that. When you got to UGA, you were known for making big plays and key moments. What do you think was your career highlight? Because I know you have a couple in 2013, a couple of plays with LSU and South Carolina. Do you have one that stands out to you most? Uh, hmm. I mean, I guess it have, I guess it'll have to be the, the the LSU game just because of the, the nature of the game and and how much hype and, and and I guess the moment you know I had really kind of solidified myself as, as, as a player on the team and you know I had some pretty uh, some other catches that game and it was just a very competitive game but anytime you can come up big in a in a big time moment for your team in a in a game like that man you, you just have to put that up there on any list, you know? Well, walk me through that moment. It was LSU under two minutes on the clock. You're on the 25 or so yard line. I mean, walk me through what that was like from your perspective. Uh, uh, we were in two-minute drill. Uh, well, one-minute drill. We were in one-minute drill. We were driving, and we, you know, and I knew we had to come up big. to We had to score uh, to win the game. Uh, they were kind of sitting in cover two the whole time, and uh, coach called the play. You know, we hadn't even practiced this play, and you know, it, was, it wasn't in the game plan. And uh, you know, I knew they had been playing cover two, so my biggest thing was just beat the corner and get on the outside. And once that happened, you know, uh, the corner wound up taking the tight end already linked. He was kind of flexed out there with me, and I knew I'll. Uh, once I got outside, I knew I had, all I had to do was make the catch if the quarterback threw it in the hole. Um, Aaron, you know, he made the throw, I made the catch, and, you know, the rest is history. Well, eventually, at the end of your career, you ended up having to retire from football due to injuries. When did it kind of hit you it was time to leave the sport and try to move on? Oh, uh, man. Um, I, th- I guess it was my senior year. Um, I had I tore my meniscus earlier that summer going, like, right before going into camp. I think I go, like, a month right before camp. Maybe, like, a couple weeks. And so I rehabbed and rehabbed, and I went through camp. And I was feeling good. Everything was good. And um, it was the first day of classes, and, uh, you know, we was just running routes on air, and I kind of made a, a sharp cut, and I kind of tweaked it and failed. And at that point, I was like, man, you know, I don't really want to go through this process again. You know, I had already graduated, and I was like, look, man, it's just time to hang it up. <laughs> How'd you handle the transition from football? Because I know it can be hard for a lot of people. Oh, uh, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. It was tough. I had to get adjusted to some things. I had to learn a lot about money management. I had to figure out what my skill sets were outside of football. Um and figure out what my passions were because um, <clears throat> one thing about me, if I'm not passionate about something, it's very it's going to be very hard to keep my attention. And I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I, as an athlete, I strive to be the best at everything that I, that I did. And in the real world, you know, sometimes you get put in places where you just kind of have to be there to make ends meet. And so I kind of felt myself in places like that and so it was just a a process of figuring out what I was good at and and what would keep my attention long enough (laughs) yeah I totally understand I'm that way too so I read 
some articles that were talking about how you got into music after your retirement. You started recording with Sony Michelle, who was a sophomore, I believe, at the time. And mm-hmm. how did all of that come about? How did you two get together and start that creative process? Uh, well, uh, let me see, let me go back. So, I, you know, I, you know, I'm a just, I'm just a curious mind. At Georgia, you know, I was afforded the opportunity to take some classes that were, you know, kind of elective. And I did a music production class. So I really learned how to, uh, you know, mix and master music, you know, and did some projects and things like that. And I found out that Sony had a, um, a studio hookup in his room. Uh, you know, he had it decked out. He had everything that you needed to make music. And uh, once I found out that and told him that, hey, you know, man, I know how to work the rig. And, you know, he recorded some things for me. And I, um, he laid down some tracks and I did it uh, for him. But, um, yeah, it was just, you know, like minds linking up. And, you know, you never know what you'll find out from a conversation. Shout out to Sony. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are you still tight with Sony? Do you still talk to him? Uh, I, I haven't talked to him in a while, man. You know, he, he's on the football wave. And, I'm, and I, man, I've been to California and back, and I'm on my business. You know, I'm, you know, thank you for mentioning that. I got to reach out to him. <laughs> <laughs> with your music, are you still pursuing it today? Uh, not so much from a, you know, artist side of it. You know, I kind of, I'm kind of behind the scenes with a lot of things. I kind of work with some guys and, and some gals here in the community and just, just advising them and really giving them some education on, you know, contract work and things like that because, um, I took a couple of those music business courses and did some independent study and really learned, you know, the business side of music. So I kind of, you know, promoters and artists and people like that I just kind of like to put some game in their ear about the contract work so not necessarily on the artist side but kind of more on the business side well now I understand you're also an entrepreneur and you own Wesley Solutions what's your business about what are you aiming for so I um, and at Wesley Solutions we are a financial service company Um, anything from you know retirement planning college planning um, tax advising, you know, have a real estate license, so I also do some real estate consultation, you know, whether people want to, you know, buy or sell or kind of invest, you know, whether it be in, you know, tangible assets such as, you know, your real estate and, and business endeavors or, um, and also stocks, funds, mutual funds, things like that. Um, and so we're really all about financial literacy. Um, taking care of your money, investing your money, and just protecting what you already have if you necessarily have a nest egg. So we're all about spreading the knowledge and just helping people out with different strategies to meet their financial needs. Awesome. With your business, for people that would like to talk to you about that, how can they reach out to you and try to get in touch with you? I was checking out your website yesterday. What does all of that look like? Okay, so the best way to reach me, you know, is directly, um, email. You can reach me at planning at wesleysolutions.com. That's, uh, planning at w-e-s-l-e-y solution, s-o-l-u-t-i-o-n, I'm sorry, solution with an s dot com. Um, that's the easiest way to hit me up. All the rest of the stuff is just marketing and things like that. I have, you can reach me at my, uh, my, 
direct line, 229-328-2777. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not too hard to find. <laughs> awesome. You talked about earlier how if you're not passionate about something, it's kind of hard harder for you to focus on. So what draws you to being a financial advisor now, kind of your, I guess, third life in terms of careers where you go through football and then you look at music and now you're into financial advising? Well, I really figured out, like, I have a, a passion for service. Like, after I was done playing football, I, I, I was a bartender. I waited tables. You know, I bust tables. And I figured out I have a passion for service, you know, just making sure that people are comfortable and happy. And with the financial advising, you know, this is a service job. I am, you know, I serve my clients. I do what's in the best need for them. And so I I found a a passion for, you know, just these different financial topics. And it, you know, it's a lot more uh, satisfying than busting tables and bartending. So. Most definitely. Now, what are your goals going forward? What are you hoping to do as you've got, obviously, tons of your life ahead of you here? Uh, man, I'm looking to expand this business. Um, you know, this is my baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm looking to uh, just enjoy a career and uh, financial planning and really help my clients, you know, grow as I grow. for our rapid fire section I've got three questions for Uh you to finish out the show uh oh (laughs) (laughs) we'll start with a tough one if you could have dinner with any living person who would it be and why uh ooh that's tough LeBron James um he's so influential man I think he's a cultural figure you know he transcends you know you know race gender you know anything like that so you know he's He's a modern-day guy, you know, modern-day icon, so LeBron. Well, rapid-fire question number two. Since you're a big music guy, what does your playlist look like right now? Ooh, boy, oh, my playlist, man. I listen to, I got a wide range, man. I listen to a lot of, uh, I listen to hip-hop. I love R&B, 90s R&B. I like jazz, kind of calm my nerves. You know, my girl, she has me on this Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey craze. So, you know, I listen to everything. Uh, some Coldplay in there. Love me some Coldplay. And uh, right now, man, I guess my, my biggest artist right now is uh, Kendrick Lamar. Kind of looking for a little bit more from him in, in 2020. Nice. Yeah, Kendrick's been one of my favorites ever since, I think it was his album in 2011, Good Kid, Mad City. That's always been my favorite from him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was 2012, man. That was was a good year. Awesome. My final rapid-fire question for you. You played with a lot of really talented guys at UGA, a lot of guys that have gone a long way in their football careers. Does anyone Mm -hmm. stand out? Who's the most talented guy that you played with? Oh, man, I played with a lot of of great guys, man. Um, 
you got to think, man. I played with Todd Gurley. Right. I was on the team with Chris Conley. I was on the team with Sony Michelle. I was on the team with Leonard Floyd. I was on the team with Jarvis Jones and and then uh, who else? Um, dang, uh, our, our Avery. Avery Jones is down in the league, man. Uh, I, Isaiah McKenzie was a good athlete, man. Uh, Javar <laughs> King, I was on the team with all these guys, man. If I had to give it to one guy, man, I have to say mm, uh, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Carter. Wow, okay. I remember. But you gotta, like, I, like, listen, man, like, people might think, like, I'm just like a fan, a fan boy of this guy, man, but I <laughs> rave about how, how, how just a great of an athlete this guy is. Like, he's like six, seven, something. You know what I'm saying? Two thirty, two forty, two fifty, sixty something. You know what I'm saying? If you ever seen him, you know what I'm saying? It's a different kind of physique for a different for that type of athlete. And so, you know, and you know, from an athletic standpoint, man, that's he's one of the most athletic guys I see. Yeah, I remember I covered and followed recruiting when he was getting recruited to UGA and I was thinking, you know, man, this guy is really gonna be something and you know, he's turned out pretty well for sure. But, yeah, interesting choice. I like it. Justin, that's all the questions I had for you. Thank you for joining me on the show. I appreciate your time. Hey, thank you for having me, man. It's an honor. Pleasure. Thank you again to Justin for taking the time to join me on the show. It was great getting to talk with him. Coming next on the Luke Winstall Show, I talked with Nick Elam, a basketball innovator, about this concept he designed called the Elam Ending. TBT, the basketball tournament, and the NBA are just a couple of leagues that have adopted a version of this ending. What is the Elam ending? How is it affecting the game of basketball? You'll find out on episode number 59. That concludes today's podcast. This has been episode number 58 of The Luke Winstall Show.